Welcome to A Learner's Journey. My name is Molly Sanders, and the goal of this podcast is to inspire and motivate you by connecting you with a variety of passionate horsewomen and men who have dedicated their lives to helping horses and their people. I'm grateful you're here. In this episode, I'm excited to share with you a special conversation I recently had with a woman named Michelle Scully. Michelle is a passionate horsewoman whose life was forever changed years ago due to a tragic accident. She wrote a book about her experiences and the things that she learned along the way, and it is such an inspiring read, whether you have had an accident yourself or you just have been living life. It's a wonderful read. And I get a chance to talk to her about the book, about the accident, and a whole lot more. So I hope you enjoy the interview. Hi, Michelle. Welcome to the podcast. I'm super excited that you joined us. And, um, and I wanted to start by telling the story of how we met, because we really, this is the first time we've ever talked face to face. Um, We met virtually uh, through a clinic that just happened with Charlie Snell. And you joined in on the clinic. And, um, and then, you know, we interacted via uh, email. And, you know, so I felt like I kind of got to know you through that. And then the clinic ended and you reached out to me. I think it was a couple days later after the clinic was over. And you'd said that you had listened to, uh, an interview that I'd done with Charlie, where I shared with him how grateful I was for breaking my back because (laughs) it's what caused me to meet him. Right. And you reached out and were like, I had no idea you broke your back. And, and in your email, you shared, you shared that you had as well. And, um, and then you said something to the effect of, you know, you wrote a book about it, but you know how sometimes that's a, people make that a a joke, like, oh, I've written the book on that, you know, kind of thing. I kind of thought that's what you were saying. And then I went, wait a minute, I think she may have really written a book. And I, so I asked you, did you really write a book? You said, yes. I ordered it and read it in like two days. And I was like, I've got to have a conversation with you. So here we are. <laughs> it's, it's funny how the circles that bring us together. And yeah, um, I get, we're in a club together, Molly. Yeah, you're right. Exactly. <laughs> right. One that we really didn't ever want to be in. No. But uh, yeah, it is. It is funny how that happens, how um, how you meet people and people come into your life with certain lessons or things you needed to hear. And uh, so I'm, I'm really glad that you, that you did and that I read your book and that now you're willing to talk with me a little bit more about it. I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So um, I love hearing, you know, people's stories and how they got started. So how did horses come into your life? How did you get started with horses? Um. It's funny that you asked that because um, my husband and I just made a really fast trip over the weekend to move our son's stuff down to Southern California. And my husband's like a road warrior where he just drives and doesn't talk. And he's trapped in the truck with me. And so I'm, you know, like, blah, blah, blah. And I was telling him, I'm like animal crazy. Just if I didn't have him like putting the brakes on things, I would be like a crazy dog, horse rescue person, probably have like a little herd of goats and 
maybe a possum, who knows, but, (laughs) and I said to him, it's so weird because my mom's not particularly animal oriented. I mean, she, when I was little, I had a rabbit, a chicken, this is all at the same time, a snapping turtle. I'm like, what adult thought that was a good idea? I don't know, a chameleon, a hamster, couple of chickens, rabbit. I mean, it was crazy. Right. And, and, but horses have always, horses and dogs have always been like my soul animals. And so I don't know. And I was thinking, do you come out into the world that way? I don't know. Um, but somehow when I was five, my parents, so my dad had horses when I was little, but like before I was cognizant of that. And then he died when I was eight and a half. But somehow when I was five, my parents let me get a horse and it was this old, I wrote about her pepper in my book, this old throwaway horse that I'm sure somebody was grateful to find a home for her. Right. A sway back, a strawberry roan. She was probably 800 years old. And I loved that horse. Just loved it. It still just chokes me up. And Mm -hmm. if you love horses, you know, all you have to say is, why do you love horses and put a nickel in and you go nuts and you smell the smell and you feel the velvet of the horse. And I loved that horse. And then um, my dream, after my dad died, my mom sent me to camp for a few years and I wanted to go to a horse camp and I never ended up at a horse camp, but somehow, um, you know, I just had friends who had horses and we lived out in the country. So we'd go to brandings and things. And so I would like sneak touching the horses. And, um, I think I took a few lessons here or there, but when I was in high school, we, we had, my mom had remarried and we moved to Southern California, then moved back to my hometown, which is rural. And I was able to get a horse again, which I was woefully unequipped for who she was and where she was and had lots of adventures on her. She's also a a black mare and um, like my horse I have now. And then when I was um, at school at Davis, they had a, I studied, I went in as an animal science major and um, started taking horse internships. And then they had a equestrian center and a polo club and things like that. But it was when we had moved here where we live now in Lake County and my sons were just little bitty. And um, when I'd been in college, I roped with friends who let me like exercise their horses and things. And then they were going to retire one of their rope horses and said, do you want to buy them? So that's when I, as like a grown up married person with kids got back into horses. Right. That's really, that's so great. It's so interesting to me. Um, you know, everyone that I've talked to so far on this podcast, I've asked that question and many of us have very similar stories. Um, definitely everyone has that like animal crazy horse, crazy, from birth, like, you know, and, and often we're the only ones in our families that, that have yeah, that. That's and so then, weird. Yeah, I know it is. I really, I think it would be really interesting. Maybe someone's done a study on it to find out if it's some, there's some gene in there. Like nature versus nurture. I think that all the time. I really yeah. Do. Yeah. Um, cause you know, cause there are people that have grown up 
you know, you, you're, you said your dad had horses when you were little, but you know, people that were born and raised on ranches and were around horses, they're still the ones that are horse crazy and the ones that, you know, appreciate them and love them and, and, and are fairly good at what they're doing, but they don't ever get that, that bug. That's like, I just, I have to, they are a part of my being like I have to be around them yeah so I just I find that fascinating it is it really is fascinating yeah and then you know um you had lots of experiences as a young kid with Pepper and then this uh mare that you got when you were in high school you know you pretty at a pretty early age or uh it doesn't take long of having a horse to realize it's probably not the safest thing to do on the planet. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, you may get a foot stepped on or, you know, you come off or here and there. And, you know, as kids, it's easy to just. No big deal. No big deal. Yeah. You know, I had so many different things happen that could have got, could have been really bad and, and would have shaken me more now, you know, that I'm older, sure. but um, you know, when injuries happen, um, and most people, again, that have been around horses for a while have had some injury in some form or another, or some scare, um, it, it changes, it changes things. Right. Wow. And, um, I, you know, your book, which I have right here, um, and I love the title of it. So, uh, I'll hold it up. Um, Thank you. broken, uh, tales of the Titan or <laughs> a t- tales of a titanium cowgirl. Yeah such a great title. Tell me a little bit about like what happened. And, um, and then I'd love to talk to you about like some of the lessons that you've learned from the whole thing. For sure. Uh, what happened to get the titanium moniker? Yeah. Um, so I think some of our, I call it in my book, serendipitous experiences. It, I had been to a clinic, I think in November, and then it was back in the days when it rained and it had rained and rained and rained. Well, at least in California, we're grateful when we get rain. And it just happened to be this beautiful, sunny January day. And it was about 4.30 and I thought, you know what, I'm just gonna sneak, I'm just gonna sneak a little ride on my horse, Wishado, who I call Wish, um, because I hadn't ridden her since November because it had been wet. And I thought, we'll just see what happens. I didn't have any plan. I've got maybe, you know, an hour and a half till sunset and everything was going great. And she was just really smooth and easy. And we were just in the zone. And we have a trail around our property. We call this super highway. And we were partway through the super highway. It's probably about, I don't know, two miles, maybe mile and a half. We were on the meadow side and there was something that had been set up in the meadow that she was unfamiliar with and everything you know the armchair quarterback thing molly oh yeah everything in it was like danger danger you know her mind left the building and we've talked about having your mind a lot in the clinic with charlie snell it's really the fundamental aspect of his horsemanship and her mind was just like whoop, gone and I was like, okay, 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 come on, come on. We have to go. It's like TikTok human. It's getting dark. And I knew that I really didn't have her mind back, but I was thinking I have to get home. It's getting dark. And Wish is usually reluctant to give you a lot of speed, but she was like, 
I've got some speed up, some forward energy. And I was like, good, let's go. Clue number two. <laughs> and, and off we went. And I was like, dang, this is great. I mean, this horse is really moving out and this is unusual. Clue number three. And the serendipitous part of it was um, as we were coming up the final stretch and I could still see it like traumatic um, rewind in the corner of my left eye, a rabbit just came out of both of our blind spots and kind of went right for her front hooves. And she was like, whoop, and went up in the air and sideways simultaneously. And at, while it's happening, I'm looking and there's this big brushy patch of manzanita and small scrub oaks. And I think in my mind, well, I don't want to end up in that tangled up whatever. So I'll just do like, there used to be this cowboy, I can't remember his name, but he was famous for his like beautiful dismount, mm -hmm. a Hollywood Anderson or something like that. And I'm like, I'll, I'll just like do that. I'll just do this <laughs> nice dismount. And the last I remember is being up in the air not doing a nice dismount and just hitting the ground, which felt like cement and knocking the wind out of me. And I thought, this is bad. I tried to stand up and the pain was just blinding. And I have a really high pain tolerance. So I say I'm either have a really high pain tolerance or I'm not very smart, but I was like, oh, I should probably try and get home. So I started crawling, which was really, really not a good idea because fast forward to when I got to the hospital and they said, your back is broken. My um, lumbar L1, the big boy in your back had, I heard this big, and I'm, I have my master's degree in biology. So you think I'd be smart enough to know when you hear a loud sound, that's not good. It was like literally like those casinos in Las Vegas that they implode. Like my, it was a burst fracture. So it just disintegrated. Wow. And then my spinal cord, the vertebrae was, impinging on my spinal cord so walk or uh, crawling was a super bad idea right so that's what happened and then I think for me as in horse my horsemanship journey I had lots of time to armchair quarterback that one but like I told you it was clear as day and horses get a bad reputation if they've been involved in a wreck and so I always felt really bad I, I, I had some angst in writing about it, but a friend of mine named Ernie, who I also wrote about, who's a cowboy, he was like, Michelle, there's a lot of women your age who love horses, who've had a lot of different experiences. And the fact that you tell the truth about you're like mea culpa, it is not this horse's fault. He says, I think that's really important. So I take it all. It wasn't her. I mean, it wasn't her at all. She gave me every single sign. And I know some people have wrecks, Molly, where they're like, where'd that come from? Right. And I think you and I know as we learn more, you wonder, was it really not there? But I right. know some things do happen, like sure. had horses attacked by yellow jackets. Right. You know, but the, the operator error things, the, I think the more you learn, the more you realize that the signs are there. And hers right. are and right really there. <laughs> Yeah. And really, I know for me with what happened for me, which, you know, someday I'll tell that story too. I don't yeah. want to do it here because I don't want to take all the time, but it's very similar to what happened for you. You know, I didn't have my horse's mind. I wasn't fully present. I had a different agenda. Yeah. Um, and I think for me, um, one of the things that it caused me to appreciate even more than I did before um, is the signs that they give, like yeah. you said, 
you know, flag number one, you know, right. and right. It, we, they, they, like you said, with your mayor, she gave you everything, all these different signs. And it's, it's a matter of us paying attention to them. And, and now I, I listen in such a different way. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah. yeah. So the book, I, I love books. Um, Me too. and, uh, and it, it, your love of books comes through in, uh-huh. in this one. It, <laughs> It's so, it's so easy to read um, and in a wonderful way, like you're, you're a wonderful storyteller. And I actually, um, I don't know, are you familiar with Brene Brown? Oh yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah. she, there's a, uh, an artist, uh, Brandy Carlisle. I don't know if you know her. She's a musician. Uh, she lives oh, up yeah, in yeah. Yeah. the Seattle area. Yeah. yeah. So she just wrote her memoir not too long ago and it's called Broken Horses. Oh my God. <laughs> I haven't. I haven't read it yet, but Brene um, wrote a review and um, there's a little piece on the back and it, it really spoke to me about how I felt about your storytelling. Uh-huh. So I'm going to, I'm just going to read the quote oh, really quick. Do. And then we'll just pretend Brene's talking about me. Yes, exactly. We'll okay. just, we'll just put your name in where it says Brandy. I'll just Thank use you. a little marker and yeah. <laughs> Um, So she says, a good storyteller tells you about their life. A great storyteller guides you so deep into their heart that you actually end up seeing yourself. And I just, I feel like, um, I mean, you do such a wonderful job of telling what happened for you, the lessons that, you know, you were gifted with, um, the struggles you know, I, and, and you do, I felt like I was there with you. I feel like I, I could go and pick out each of your horses yeah. and I feel like I know your husband, like, um, and I do, I feel like that's, that's great storytelling, but I got so much reflected back. Like I kept thinking about, um, you know, some of the lessons that I learned and, and, and not just because I also got injured. I mean, just living life, and um, so if I just recommend people check out this book, it's just such a pleasure. Um, Thank you. It was such a pleasure to read. Um, but one of the things I loved in it is that each of your chapters um, is, there's a different lesson in each one and there's a different um, image in each one. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the rabbit is in one, the, um, the sunspot that your little dog finds, um, the, your hands, your hands and your mom's hands. Like, um, I was really curious about how, why you, how that decision came to be like, did you just write that way or was it, how did that happen? Well, I think that the big umbrella here is I'm an only child and I spent a lot of time reading and I'm a thinker. I'm also a talker, but I'm a thinker. So I think weird thoughts all the time. Mm -hmm. And and like I can, something can come to me from, I could probably walk down the hill to the barn and find like a gum wrapper and something would come to me. So first of all, I have really random mind. And second of all, I didn't set out to write a book. When I had my accident, I would describe myself and probably a lot of horse people and horse women as a really uber independent. And I have a chapter called can do girls, which is like, get out of my way. I can do it. Yep. <laughs> um, and it's the country thing. It's like, I'll fix it. I'll do it. I'll make it work. Um, so I had no intention of writing a book, but I was just like blown apart physically and 
emotionally because I was incapacitated for the most part and super fragile. And I wasn't used to being that way. And used to being the person, like I say, like we're talking about where does love courses come from? For me, I'm like, I'm a jump off and ask how deep it is later person by nature. I've tried to really like rein that in. Mm-hmm. But so it was devastating for me, this lack of independence and who am I now? And can I ever ride again? And so all these thoughts, as you experienced yourself, were turning around in my head. And I'm, I'm you know, loving books and being a very very verbal person. So I'm like, where do I like splat all these words out? My mom's like, you should journal. And I'm like, screw journaling. I don't want anybody to like, if I die and they read these journals and they're like, what a terrible person, because <laughs> why write something if you don't write your true thoughts? And then if you write your true thoughts, you're like, well, I don't want anyone to read those. So right. I just wrote my true thoughts and shared them with the whole world. But little things would come to me and then I would just go to the computer and download it. And then eventually I had a, you know, it seemed like, oh, there's, guess what? There's a journey here. And, and I just dumped them all out. And at some point I thought, okay, I'm not the only person who has run into the wall of life before. Maybe there's something here. So towards your question, it's like at some point when I thought, when I was kind of on out of the valley of my journey, I thought, okay, maybe there's hope and encouragement here that I could share with someone else. So I laid them all out and I never self-edited myself because it's, I wasn't intending it for publication, right. but then they all kind of, you know, you can tell as you read it, the progression of timing, like one was called five months in a frog. So that was five months post accident. And then when I laid them all out, I was like, Oh, look, it's like a little path. That's really cool. So that's why. Yeah, that's really, that's really interesting. So part of it is just the way you see the world. Like you said, you, you'll you see a gum wrapper and be like, oh, there's meaning here. Exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Which is really, that's a really neat, that's a really neat way to, to go about life um, is trying to look for the little meaning in, in things that you wouldn't ordinarily think there is any, yeah. um, which brings me to one of the things, I mean, there's a lot of pieces of this, like I mentioned, um, images that really, um, stood out for me, but one of them is that the black Sharpie line. Oh yeah. And first of all, like what, what is that for folks that haven't read the book yet? Like what is the black Sharpie line? Um, and then I'll, and then I'll ask you one more question about it. I'm trying to look on my desk if I even have a marker. Okay. So this one is not black. It's green. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But everybody knows the black Sharpie. Right. And it says permanent marker. So if you had like little kids, you're like, you do not want them getting hold of a black Sharpie because they'll draw on their faces or draw on their wall. Black Sharpies, I mean, once you once you draw it a line, it never goes away. Right. So I don't know how that visual came to me, but it's the indelible line that if you asked all of us, we would all easily be able to say this that that when I lost for me my father is the first black sharpie line losing him that I can remember and then losing beloved grandparents and losing a beloved pet or having a traumatic accident or a tragic loss or a divorce or something like that you you know you lay them out and we've, we've all got them so um what I said in the book was when when I broke when I had the accident I crawled 
up the hill. I got in the four wheeler. I got my horse put away because I'm literally not, you know, you're a horse person. You're like, take care of my horse. I crawled into the house. My son was like, what is going on? And when my husband came home, I was like, oh, I'm probably not going to feel very good tomorrow. And he's like, we need an ambulance. So then I was in emergency for a very long time. But when they came running in saying her back's broken, put her back on the board, put your legs down, I could feel literally like somebody just like replaced all the blood in my body with like antifreeze. It was just that everyone's felt that, that draining feeling yes. where all the body heat leaves you and you're just filled with ice water, um, black Sharpie. Okay. And it, and it's, it's that line, like you, you mentioned, I think you mentioned in the book, that line of, it's a distinct thing where you can say, this was my life before. Right. And then the line After. and then, yeah. Yeah. And, and I just, I think it's such a powerful image too, because um, you'd mentioned that, you know, you could try to erase it, right? Yeah. We can try to pretend <laughs> it's not there, but it's, it's in permanent ink. Yeah. And it really like that, that, that analogy really got me thinking about how often when things like that happen in our lives, we either do spend all this energy trying to erase it or trying to add, you know, something to make it look more the way we want it to look instead of getting to that place where we accept it and, and start to learn the lessons that it brings. Absolutely. Yeah. Which is, is your, is your book. Um, so what would you say, like, what, what are a couple of the lessons that that, uh, time in your life brought to you? I think you teed it up perfectly, Molly, because we've all had trauma, you know, spiritual, emotional, physical, mental, we've all had trauma, some of it all together, some of it at different times, but, um, I think one of the great lessons of life is, you know, do you trail that trauma around with you? Like, like clanking cans that people put on just married cars, um, do you like try and cut the cords loose? What do you, what do you do with it so that it doesn't preclude you from living as fully as possible as you can in the human condition, which for me is like Charlie says, being mentally alert, you know, relaxed and present. Yes. Um, we, we're trying to do that for our horses. So we have some work to do for ourselves, obviously, because you can't fake it with horses. Right. Um, so for me, this was obviously life altering. And I, I think give yourself the, give yourself time. Like when my neurosurgeon told me um, in a year, you'll be, and he said a hundred percent, which I called baloney on that. Right. But I was like I got that at six months and, and I'm like ridiculous, push myself and cut myself no slack but six months came and I was like um not even so I think if you haven't experienced debilitating physical trauma that it'd be nice if people said oh I've been there different kinds of trauma or different kinds of physical ailments but recovery it's like you have to define what does recovery mean does it mean I want to be exactly who I was before because 
at some point I had to reconcile I'm never going to be that same person again because I'm like fused together um does it mean that I'm more resilient like you said that I'm not trying to erase it or sugarcoat it um I think it's I think it's that was really the my reasons for deciding this as a book was to help someone ask me what's your idea of success as my husband and because he's like you know, Brene Brown's probably not going to be writing me a review. He didn't say that, but, <laughs> and, and I'm like, okay, what's my idea of success? It's obviously not to be famous, but it was to help one horse get a better deal, which is through horsemanship, um, to help encourage at least one person that you're not alone in trauma and that it make my uh, publisher enough, Tom Motes, enough money that he doesn't regret publishing me. But I think it's to know that it, it takes the time it takes. And that might be a Pirelli quote. Um, mm-hmm. That takes the time it takes. And that you're going to have days where you're like, I'm on fire. I can do this. And then you're probably going to feel like crap the next day because you pushed yourself too hard. There are going to be days where you're like, I am. this is pointless. And you just want to like hide in a hole. Um, and I had a chapter about the 2,000 pound boulder. And that's what I think traumatic accidents feel like like some here's your life and you're just riding along somebody drops this 2000 pound boulder on the road and I think for me if you visualize it like there's no way you or I are going to be able to move that boulder unless we have like a heavy equipment but if it's 2000 pounds of rocks I think the task before us is do I want to get from here to there wherever there is and then move a rock a day some days you might not be able to move a rock. Some days you move five, but, um, and I'd written about find the small joys, um, store those up, whether it's Cheetos or chocolate or like the Danes, bacon and cakes, yes. um, good friends, coffee, crying in your dog's fur, um, whatever it is, those all add up. I love that You one. will get there. And if you're lucky, you will realize that goodness and joy can come out of utter, you know, what shows. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. Um, that message of, you know, collecting the, the small joys and actually, do you mind if I read a little piece of, okay. Cause it's, it's funny that you mentioned the, the bacon and the dance, cause I, I've got, I've got writing all over this book, but, um, it's like bacon. Oh yes, (laughs) absolutely. But but it, it it was funny that you mentioned it cause it was the part of the book that I highlighted. Um, So you say here, um, the Danes have found the folks living in Denmark, um, the Danes have found a way of life where they create small moments of joy in their dark, dark winters. I was in my own dark winter and I was finding too, just like the Danes, that these small comforts were helping me build a life raft when recovery seemed too far away to grasp. I've learned the hard way not to underestimate the cumulative effects or excuse me, the cumulative effect of small joys. Small joys may seem too small to make a big difference, but I found that those small joys were some of my greatest moments of solace when I felt most, almost empty. Yeah. Just, I love that so much in so many ways, like the, the Danes, people that live in a place that is dark for like 
ever, right? right? Kind of, I feel like that sometimes living up here in the Northwest, oh, yeah. right? We've got That's long sad. winters. That's where sad comes from. Yeah, right. Seasonal, yeah. Yeah. And, um, and that, that it's also in that culture where they realize that, Hey, if we're going to survive this, we've got to find those small joys and, and what a wonderful way to look at it. And, um, I loved the part where you were looking at your little dog in the sunspot and how your little, was, was that scout? That was scout. Okay. So little scout was finding the small joys, just one little sliver of sun, you know, that he found and, and that, you know, so many parts of nature animals remind us of those little things. Cause we can get so caught up in the woe is me, um, which is part of it. Like we're going to, when, when we have traumatic things happen, we're going to have times where we feel like crap and we feel sorry for ourselves, but to to step out of it and look for those, those little things. And I thought of it the other day um, when I was revisiting your book and I just thought, what a cool, what a cool thing to think about, you know, cause a lot of us like to collect things. Mm-hmm. And if you think about that, that's what you're collecting, like those little oh, moments. I like that. Yeah, I do too. I just was like, wow. It, um, it just kind of sets me out on the day to have a different outlook. Like, Oh, I found, I found another one <laughs> kind of a way. You know, it can be like there are people who believe that feathers are messages, you know, so it can be a feather, it can be a beautiful little rock, it can be, you know, a quarter, it can be a look at that little bird. Um, I think we we're in a time period of humanity where we're so barraged by so much stuff that, you know, I'll tell you another thing. Don't go searching out whatever your problem is on the internet. Do not do that. Yeah. Because I was like, what do you mean all my screws are going to pop out? I was like, nope. Um, And so I came, here's probably my biggest lesson was I'm a very optimistic person. I call myself a pragmatic optimist or a realistic optimist, but I'm very much like, it'll all be fine. And I suffered with anxiety where I, when I was more mobile and I could be busy during the day, because we all know that being busy can take your mind off of lots of things. Mm-hmm. But at nighttime, as soon as I would lay down, it was like an elephant was just hovering over me. And it would be like, I'm going to sit on your chest now. And I couldn't sleep and I'd panic. And so I was praying every night, like sometimes my prayers are just God help me. And what came to me finally one day, I think I was like full on hyperventilating and thinking this, I'm never going to get better. This is terrible. Um, And what came to me is today you're good. And that's a mantra of so many programs, 12 step programs, all kinds of philosophical and and in horsemanship. And I actually have a phrase that I use all the time on social media, like horsemanship slash life. And my friend, Mark Rashid, who's an amazing horseman, he always says life is an opportunity to practice your horsemanship. And every time I'm in Safeway and there's 20 people lined in front of me, I think of Mark and I'm like, namaste, be patient. Cause I'm like, oh. I'm like Michelle, you're a terrible horseman because you can't even be patient and Safeway, you know, but horsemanship in life. And today I'm good. Like even says in the Bible, like you have all that you need to be concerned about today. And you know, yeah, those of us who've had accidents, 
then you focus on, I've had a terrible accident. I don't want that to happen again, but we all drive cars. Um, we could get hit by a meteor. Things, things do, can and do happen all the time, but I think reframing it to today I'm good and um, grammatically that should be today I'm well. I know that. <laughs> I don't know what God's deal with grammar is, but um, <laughs> It's so that's kind of become a little monster of mine is when I feel like I'm kind of spiraling out, which is today I'm good. And that's where yeah. the storing up the joys. And um, there's always somebody else who could use that you think you're glum, but they're glummer, you know? So yeah. I really, I liked who I was physically better before, but I like who I've become lessons wise because I realized we all, there's like almost 8 billion of us and we all need we're all on a journey and we all need kindness. So to ourselves too. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, that's so great. It's such a good reminder. Um, and I love, I love that, uh, what you shared from Mark Rashid that, yeah. you know, uh, <laughs> life is an opportunity or life is an opportunity to practice horsemanship. Yeah. Did I get that right? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Cause I think that, um, you know, when you have this, I, I, I'm going to jokingly tongue in cheek, call it an affliction of the horse addiction. Um, you see it everywhere, everywhere. right? Like um, the, I, I, you know, the Safeway line, you know, observing people and seeing if you can pick up on tension and, and what, what would happen if I move over here? <laughs> and, you know, like, what if I back off a little bit or what if I match them? You know, it's, it's interesting how it, it mirrors, it mirrors um, so many different things. Um, and I love so much what you've, what you've shared, um, you know, from what you've learned from the, the journey that you went through that you didn't choose to go through, um, but you, ended up there. Um, and I think, I know for me, um, it was really helpful for me to, to read your story. So you're definitely, you can tick that off as far as your definition of success. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I know, I'm sure I know everyone that's read it. And, and like I said, in the beginning, even if, even if it isn't an accident that you've gone through, it really is this, um, I don't want to say guide, but it's this example of navigating a really tough journey. So if, like you mentioned, we all have trauma, like we all, you can't get through life without it, you um, know, unless you weren't lucky enough to survive very long. Right. Um, but you know, if you've been in this life for a while, you're going to have trauma. And this book is just such a great example of of how to navigate that and um, you. you know asking for help yeah. that was a huge one right <laughs> it's so incredibly difficult to do like you said you know we're independent people that get into horses you know men and women but I just I happen to know a lot more women and um, we're we're tough people and I think we all pride ourselves on being independent and, uh, and it, it's, yeah, asking for help and, and, uh, and not being physically able to do um, what we were able to do a day ago, or, you know, six months ago, it's, it's a really, really interesting uh, yeah. journey, but there are so many gifts in it. And you've shared so many in, in these books, um, or in this book. Um, so 
do you have any, um, this has been wonderful, by the way, I, I've loved hearing from you. Like I said, like I said, at the beginning, this is the first time we've actually been able to yeah, talk. Yeah, we get to know um, each other. Yeah. Which is, is really cool. Um, if there's someone that is listening to this and, um, you know, they're, they're struggling, um, right now, is there anything, I mean, you've kind of already given us a bunch of different, um, a piece of advice. Um, how about for like regaining confidence riding? Oh, is there, yeah. Is there anything that you can share from your journey, um, that could possibly help someone? I hope so, Molly. And it's really a, a work in progress for me. And Charlie on kind of the far end of it was instrumental for me also. <clears throat> so I was lucky I could even walk again. I mean, I was literally like put back together titanium with titanium. Um, so I had to address the question and I know there are people out there that are like, you're insane woman and we do not condone your decision, but I wanted to ride again. Now, mind you, it's much different in how I approach it is different, but I wanted to ride again. So first I talked to my husband and I said, can you support this? Um, because this, you know, it's kind of a big deal for our family, not just me. And, um, he said, yes, because it's going to make me cry because he says, I know it's such a part of you. It's one of the things that helps me feel like me. Right. So I'm like, okay, I need to do this differently. Like gone are the days of a ball cap and no helmet. Um, wear a helmet, people. Um, yeah. <laughs> which in a Western style of writing, it's very not the thing, you know, so Oh, there's so much wrapped up in that. Yeah, that I might whole, ask you more about, but. That's yeah. a whole other discussion, which I find fascinating. Right. But there was a girl down the hall from me in ICU, a young girl who had a head injury and she had a net around her bed because she kept trying to get out of it and she would fall down. So I don't like putting it on, but I'm trying to incorporate. It's just as much as putting on your seatbelt. So. Um, so I said, are you okay? if I want to ride again. So it was like, or you can wear, so I'm wearing a helmet. And I started off wearing a, you know, like I have friends who are in eventing and who wear body protectors all the time. So I researched right. vests and I was like, okay, I'm getting that. And um, my old horse Simba, who's no, he also passed away recently. Um, he's on the cover of the book. He literally said, I could hear him say, ride me when I was ready. And when I, Mind you, I've got my helmet on, my vest, I've got my husband, I've got my dog, and it's like this real dog and pony show, like getting this woman back in the saddle. <laughs> and the minute I threw my leg over, it was like these two like mirror images of me that had been split, the black Sharpie line split apart. I could feel them come a little bit closer. The next time I rode, I could feel them come a little bit closer. Um, we learned to surf a while back. I was never good at it, but I liked it. So I tried that again and I feel it come a little bit closer. I love to ski. So we ski, but I ski on easy slopes looking behind me, like for people who want to take me out every time I do something that makes me feel like me, like the things that I feel are integral to me. I feel like those parts come together. So I'd say for people who have experienced trauma, find the things that make you feel like you, like I have a friend 
a dear friend who can't does not think she can ride because of her back situation. But when she comes to visit, we we call it playing horses. So we play horses and brush them and groom them like we used to in high school. And she smells them, you know, so foster a horse or, you know, get out and walk. If you like to run, see how fast you can walk. I mean, find some version of the things that make you feel like you and do it. Because to me, when you, that's what puts you back together. Not the same, but it puts the you together. Yeah. That's so good. And I totally agree with that. Like in my own uh, journey to ride again and, and rebuild that confidence, because one of the things that I found um, is that when your body breaks, um, your, your brain does, it, it takes on a, a really important role, right? Your brain wants to keep you alive. So it will do all sorts of things to try to keep you from re- redoing what you did before. And part of that is the fear. And so I think for myself, understanding that first and really respecting that, okay, got it brain. Thank you. I know what your job, your job is here to keep me alive. I know you're trying to send me all these fear messages and, um, and finding, like you said, versions of what you did before. So for me, for a while, you know, it was just hanging out with them on, on the other side of the fence. Cause I knew if I got knocked, I'd be in big trouble. Right. So, um, or, you know, looking out the window or, um, you know, after a while standing at the mounting block, you know, and I think that one of the things that people can sometimes get into trouble with is feeling like it's all or nothing. I'm either going to do what I did before. Um, your, your dog has some things to say. (laughs) It's, you know, either that you're going to do exactly what you were doing before, or it's, you know, or nothing. And I, and I feel like, uh, oh, I don't know if getting rid of that, I don't know what the right word is, but, but accepting that it's going to be a process and that those little things standing at the mounting block, going and playing horse with your, you know, your friend, those are the things, those are the little bits that make it all worthwhile. It's not necessarily the riding down the trail. Um, so I think that's so important um, to find you those just little gave me goosebumps, Molly, because I have a thing that I, like I have a Facebook page and an Instagram that I started for my book to just kind of be an ongoing source of conversation and encouragement and vulnerability. Um, that was for me what's under, and I think women tend to be super hard on themselves. And mm-hmm. when you, then when you discover horsemanship and you realize, oh my gosh, there's all this stuff to learn, then I think it's the rare ones of us. Rare ones of us aren't hard on ourselves. And then and then whatever confidence you have like in, in your other life sometimes falls away because you're like, oh, I don't want to make mistakes or I, I want to do too much or not too, too little. And you get all, you know, com- discombobulated in your head. Right. Um, but I think to be able even if we could take the time to say, you know what, and this is something um, Charlie said in our clinic and Mark says as well, who cares if you make a mistake, right? You know, and if you find the right venue, the right friends, the right partners, the right mentors who are like, and 
and Brene Brown touts it. It's like vulnerability is your greatest strength, man. And that's when my book was out in the world, I was like, holy crap. Now I feel like, you know, why did I say this or that? But I'm like, if we can't be real, then don't even bother. For Absolutely. Me. What is the point? If we're going to encourage each other, support each other, learn without those, the onus of, oh my gosh, don't make the wrong answer. Um, and I was an instructor of biology at our community college for six years. And I always told my students, I don't care what you ask, just ask it. Right. Now advocate for yourself, find what you need, whether that is a quiet space or kinder friends or a better mentor. Right. Advocate for yourself by being able to be true to yourself, kind, and be all right to go, you know what, I can't. I can't do that right now. Right. Or I can and help me do that. Right. And it's contagious. You know, when people start to uh, share their real truth and, um, and, and make mistakes and, and, and share the mistakes, it, it's contagious. You start to go, well, if, if she can do it, I can do it too. You know, I can, I can be brave and I can step out there and, and do it too. So, um, and it, it, it's that it's similar to, um, the first person on the dance floor, you know, there's, there's some, some, uh, phrase that describes that. And I can't remember what it is, I'll but tell you what phrase describes it. It's my marriage. I'm the first person on the dance floor. My husband's the last person, but He's an awesome dancer. And that's actually how we started dating. So oh, that is great. And he's like, no, really? That is great. So find the person who's either the first person or the last person and make them your friend. That's great. That's great. Because we need each other, right? You you know, there's there's aspects of that. And that was the other thing is, as I'm listening to you um, share and in your book, you have such a beautiful chapter in there about your, your girlfriend's. Oh, yeah. your, your horse, horse girlfriend. Yeah. yeah. And finding that support, you yeah. know, whether even if it's just one person and finding the right person for like, like I mentioned at the beginning, because I broke my back, I sought out Charlie and I, um, you know, there were other people in my life that I've learned from, you know, for years with horsemanship, but I just, there's something about him. And I knew that I needed to go and find him and I wouldn't have done it if I hadn't injured myself. Um, so finding, finding those people that will support you. And one other little quick thing about Charlie, I mean, it is what brings us together. So it makes sense why his name's coming up. But, um, I remember when I first talked to him about that, I hadn't ridden yet. Um, and that I was, I was, I knew what I needed to do to rebuild my confidence, but that I wasn't, I wasn't going to be riding for a while. And he shared a story that I'm sure he shared with you. I won't tell the story, but basically where he got into a really bad wreck himself, had to rebuild his own confidence. And I just knew then I was like, that's it. I knew I wanted to learn from you, but now I definitely, I know that not only do I want to learn from you, but I know that you're going to be somebody that can support me through this. So, you know, yeah. Absolutely. Um, so I think also to recognize that it's, it's a dynamic process that some days you'll feel maybe close to bulletproof again. And other days you'll be like, I just need a weighted blanket, you know, but I started off with the really hardcore, um, and hard shell, uh, body protector vest that I did a lot of research for. 
but when I would put it on, I, like all I could feel was it. <clears throat> and it was at a clinic that I hosted here with Charlie as, <clears throat> as the guy. And he started talking about trauma. And I just like my eyes welled up and I thought, where'd that, you know, how trauma is. I was like, I don't have trauma. And I apparently did. And we started talking and I, he asked me, Charlie asked me a few questions. And I said, I think every time I put on this vest, I feel broken. And he goes, well, you know what? Maybe it's time for a different one. He goes, why don't you look at one like bull riders? And I was thinking, there you go. I'm like, now I'm going to feel like channeling bull rider vibes. <laughs> but I did. I looked and I found a different one because I still feel like I need to wear one. But this one is, you know, it's still protective, but it's light enough. I can wear a jacket over it. But just keep chipping away, you know, chip away at it and, um, yeah. and realize it's a dynamic process. The yeah. confidence. Um, and looking at that now, because um, my horse Satin, who was my comeback horse, is like um, Murphy. Should she should be called Murphy? Murphy's Law. She had uh, some lameness issues, and then she was bitten by a rattlesnake. And so now I'm dealing with lameness on lameness. So I'm actually kind of looking at other horses, and I'm thinking this next horse will also be a different me, you know, because Satin and I went through a lot together, right? Get, getting back to riding. So just cut yourself some slack. Yes. Yes. So many good things. Um, I think we could keep talking for quite a while, <laughs> but I think this is a great place to, to wrap up and just, um, and just tell you, I'm so grateful that you, that you shared your story. Um, and who's, who's this, this is the, the loud mouth. This is the loud mouth Rufus. <laughs> Now he's acting like he's all civilized. Oh, he's so cute. Um, so those of you listening, you can't see Rufus, but he's super cute, super cute little terrier. Um, so just, you know, I, I think it does, like you mentioned vulnerability, it, it, it takes bravery. Um, they go hand in hand, you know, yeah. bravery and vulnerability. And um, for you to share your story um, definitely helped me. And I, you know, I hope for folks that are listening that, um, even just this conversation has helped, but I would just recommend um, checking out this book and you can find it on Amazon. I got it on Amazon. You know, you're official when you can be found on Amazon. Found on Amazon. And it's also in Audible. My son, Jake, actually produced it because he's oh, cool. that way. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. So um, yeah, you can listen to it or, or read it. And uh, Michelle, thank you so much you for me joining an honor and a pleasure thank you so much i'm so glad that we've met through somebody that we admire like i know me too and Charlie. yeah and yeah and then friends. yeah absolutely and and somewhere down the line we'll be able to meet in person oh, i, I know sure. it. yeah yeah for sure. yeah awesome thank you thank so you. much yeah thank you I hope this conversation brought some new ideas your way and some inspiration for your own journey. I know it did for me. I also wanted to mention that Michelle and I often uh, mentioned the name Charlie, uh, Charlie Snell. That's who brought Michelle and I together. And if you haven't listened to the interview that I did a few months ago with Charlie, it's a pretty special one. So I'll link to it in the show notes. In the U.S. today, it's a special holiday. We're celebrating Thanksgiving, so I wanted to say a happy Thanksgiving to those of you celebrating it. 
And whether you're celebrating the day or not, I hope today you find moments of joy to add to your collection. And I just want to say how grateful I am that you're here. And I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day.